One of the other things that I really loved when I was reading all of your work is this undercurrent of personal responsibility that runs through everything. And in our society, for whatever reason, people don't like that. Some people really don't like that idea of personal responsibility, that you might be more so than you believe responsible for the circumstances of your life. Because for some people that shines, that turns the mirror on them and says, you've got no one to blame. It's not the government. It's not this, that, this, your uncle, whatever. It's the decisions you've made. And for some people, that's a motivating thing. It's liberation. It's, oh, I'm in control. Okay. But it feels like some people would rather there be a puppet master to point to. Um, Yeah. So what's your beliefs and thoughts on personal responsibility, the importance of it? And if you can as well, um, like why some people hate it. (laughs) I think uh, to me, responsibility is kind of like the, the core understand like if, if if there's no personal responsibility nothing else is ever going to work or improve you know be, to improve anything you have to believe you have some sort of power influence on it and if you have some sort of power influence you're responsible for that power and influence so if you if you just reject the idea that you're responsible for an area of your life like if, if it's like i'm not responsible for my shitty relationships it's all their fault you're basically disempowering yourself from ever improving them because you're you're rejecting the idea that you have any influence on them. I think I think the reason or one reason why people really kind of bristle at the idea is I think we we tend to mistake responsibility and fault, right? So if if I if I'm like a typical dumb American and walk try to cross the street in London looking the wrong way uh, and I get hit by a car you know, it's not my fault that I got hit by a car, but it's still my responsibility. Like I still need to take, take control of my recovery. I need to like take care of my body. I need to decide, you know, what I'm going to do. There's a, there's a responsibility in every moment because in every moment we're choosing what to do, what to perceive, what to believe, what to focus on, like that choice is happening every single moment. And because that is a choice, there's responsibility for that choice, right? Mm. Um, I use the example in Subtle Art of like, if somebody left a newborn baby on your doorstep, it's not your fault that there's a baby on your doorstep, but it sure as shit is your responsibility. Like you have to do something. <laughs> like you can't, you can't just shut the door and be like, not my baby, you know, like, <laughs> like it just doesn't work that way. And so I think particularly people who have had a lot of bad things happen in their life and, and those things are not their fault, it's very, very difficult for them to, to accept responsibility because, well, for a couple of reasons. One is it's once you accept responsibility, it means you have to do something, you have to change something. You have to change your perspective. You have to change your actions. You have to change your beliefs. And all of those things are very uncomfortable. But I, I think the other thing is that a lot of times people get very attached to their stories, right? So a terrible thing happens to them. It kind of fucks them up. And that becomes their identity. Like that's how they get sympathy from other people. It's how, it's how other people know them. It's the basis of a lot of their relationships. And so they're actually afraid to let it go. 
Mm. Right. Like it's, it's actually a scary thing to, to let go of that identity. So yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but we all have to kind of go through that struggle. It's really interesting. It's a, yeah. It's something that I see a lot in, in our, in our culture at the moment, specifically with young people, because I think Instagram has um, created more of a community for that kind of like, I'm going to just be honest, that kind of like self-pitying, blame, um, and the algorithms are now kind of reinforcing that. And, you know, you'll get more likes if you do the, Yes, it's, you know. I I, I heard it referred to as the victimhood Olympics. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which is like, oh, you win. (laughs) You've had the worst shit happen to you. Here's your medal. (laughs) One of the kind of self-development you know, tropes or like, you know, piece of advice I hear often that's linked to that is that happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that phrase? Uh, I mean, I think it's fundamentally true. Obviously, I think it's a little more complicated than that. Um, but it, it kind of comes back to what I was saying. Like you, I think when people say that, what they're referring to is like in every moment you you get to choose what to focus on, mm-hmm. right? So if a car hits me, in the middle of the street here, I can either focus on how unlucky I am and how unfair this is and how it fucked up my press trip to to the UK, you know, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, you know, or I can focus on something else. I can focus on, you know, how fortunate I am to survive, how, you know, and I think this is where kind of like the, the positive thinking stuff was intended to refer to, you know, like classic self-help of like, just think positive. Like this is what it, what it was trying to say, but it kind of got distorted and turned into this weird delusional thing. But it's basically like, you know, in every single moment you are choosing how to see things. And so in that sense, you can always choose in every moment to see things in a way that, that makes you feel better. Mm. And, uh, it's not easy. It's actually really, really hard, but in that sense, happiness can be a choice. Like it's, it's always within your power. There's no person on earth that the happiness has been removed from their brain. Like it's, it's all in there. It's all in you. It's just a question of, do you know how to access it? And will you access it? Will you choose to? And one of the things that does feel like a choice linked to that is the expectations that we, we choose for Mm -hmm. life. And you write about how expectations can really be a, a curse of happiness. Yeah. Um, how do, how do we so why are expect are, are our expectations a potential curse and why are they dangerous and how do we set better expectations then? Well, expectations are dangerous because uh, you know I think there's a I forget who came up with it but I think it's there's this like old equation where it's like happiness equals reality minus expectations mm-hmm. you know so if you have these like huge unreasonable expectations for yourself you're always going to be disappointed. But then it's a double-edged sword because if you have like tiny expectations for yourself, then you're not going to try to do anything. So like there, there's this weird balance where, I mean, I, I prefer kind of like more of the Buddhist take, which is like, just don't have expectations. Like just don't expect anything. Like, is that possible? No, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like honesty, right? Like it's, it's, you, you never completely get there, but you should still try. And, um, it's and it's particularly useful i find in 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 managing anxiety you know because anxiety tends to come from uh just 
either irrational or outsized expectations, right? So it's like, you're about to go on stage and talk to a bunch of people and your expectation is like, I'm going to bomb. I'm going to look like a fool, like people are going to laugh at me. And it's because of that expectation that you start feeling a lot of anxiety, start feeling terrible. Whereas if you just kind of take the expectation of, of, you know, this is just another moment, you know, it's, it's going to happen. People are probably not going to remember it. Like it just is, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. Um, it can eliminate a lot of that. I do that with, with my book launches. Cause obviously like any author, I'm like, I probably was probably the same with you. Like you're, you know, that when your book is coming out, like you're like crippled on the floor, like everybody's mm. going to hate me. They're all going to laugh at me, you know? And it's, to me, it just helps to just remove any assumption of like what it's going to be, you know, don't assume it's going to do well, but don't assume it's going to do poorly. Like it's, it's going to do what it's going to do and you're going to be fine either way. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. 